With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. It is Taco Tuesday here in Mexico, although I had steak for lunch. I'm trying to eat as much meat as I can before they take it away from us. And uh, we got Terry Wolf coming up first hour, our man in Manitoba up in Canada. Had Tim Moen on yesterday. He was a Libertarian Party candidate for president in Canada. Uh, and Lynn Taylor is coming back second hour to talk about globalism, the sustainable democide goals of the United Abominations. What is happening on this planet? The Atomic Scientists, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists today put out, um, I think it's their annual doomsday clock announcement. It's still 90 seconds to midnight, so they haven't touched the clock. Some good news, uh, though they say that um, humanity continues to face an unprecedented level of danger. They say ominous trends continue to point the world toward global catastrophe. The war in Ukraine and the widespread growing reliance on nu nuclear weapons, as George Bush would say, increase the risk of nuclear escalation. China, Russia, the US are all spending huge sums to expand or modernize their nuclear arsenals. Uh, and this is where I kind of ignore the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists because in the second paragraph they say, Earth experienced its hottest year on record. And they get into all that climate change gobbledygook. Yeah, no, no thanks. No thanks. That's not an existential threat. If you ask me, I think if you ask us here on TNT and um, analysts are also begging the question, is war coming to the Korean Peninsula? with nothing to lose and limited time to achieve certain geopolitical goals, Kim Jong-un might opt for conflict as his only option. And they cite uh, 38 North, a North Korea research website, which is um, one of uh, my many bookmarks, where they ask the question, is Kim Jong-un preparing for war? 38 North, a respected source of analysis, uh, which does not push on agenda or sensationalism, um, uh, you know, so it's a measured analysis and the two authors also are not known to be alarmist. And their argument is as follows, that North Korea has attempted to pursue a process of normalization with the US, particularly during Trump's administration and failed. Uh, after that effort failed, Pyongyang has now effectively given up. It believes it has no options left and has continued developing its nuclear program and increasingly hardening its position emboldened by the geopolitical context in respect to Russia and China. A lot of interesting comments regarding what's happening at the border in Washington. Orrin McIntyre says the system will not be reformed at the national level. The future of the U.S. rests entirely on the courage of one conservative governor telling the regime to pound sand. That's down in Texas. Even Tucker Carlson chimes in. He says it's unanimous everyone in power from the white house to the hedge fund managers to the supreme court of the u.s has decided to destroy the country by allowing it to be invaded that leaves the population to defend itself where are the men of texas why aren't they protecting their state and the 
nation on and on it goes and this crazy story from um I missed this it was a while back but Obama Bush and Clinton have started an NGO to fly migrants into the U.S this is from just the news we'll be talking more about this story with uh Terry but the EU votes on a resolution to list hate speech as a crime uh, the parliament has cast their votes for a resolution regarding making so-called hate speech a crime throughout the fourth reich i mean sorry the, the the eu the decision which critics have likened to orwell's big brother is set to redefine the landscape of free speech within um the eu and just more reasons that as the years go by with le crazy legislation like this in brussels um it, the, the odds seem less and less that I'll ever move back to my homeland of Croatia I might just stay in Mexico and enjoy a little bit more freedom uh and so yeah Brussels is just being Brussels just advancing tyranny non-stop uh every day reports that electric cars will never dominate the market says Toyota uh, electric vehicles will never dominate the market said Toyota chairman in the latest sign that car companies are backing away from the trouble technology some good news when it comes to the green agenda they say that battery powered EVs will only ever capture 30 percent of global market share so that's going to be interesting the coming decade where many countries like Ireland Japan Canada have outlawed gas-powered vehicles by 2035 so if EVs will only capture 30 percent of the market share and we're not allowed to have gas-powered cars well then do we buy horses um skateboards rollerblades uh, walk uh I don't know um and just more of the crazy green agenda Washington state moves to ban natural gas in effort to stop climate change the bill would ba ban any gas company that serves more than 500,000 customers from connecting new natural gas lines to new residential or commercial structures I just filled up my gas tank uh here in Mexico yesterday it was like 50 60 70 bucks not too bad uh, and now Chicago my my home state Illinois Chicago mayor targets end to natural gas in new homes so you can kind of see the trend everywhere from Washington State to Illinois uh it says the mayor is pushing a plan that would end natural gas hookups in new buildings and homes as the city aims to phase out hydrocarbons that intensify the weather I mean climate crisis but the idea is already drawing resistance from some unions so the green madness marches on total total neo-feudal Malthusian insanity don't miss out on a thing be sure to download the TNT app from the Apple App Store or Google Play Store or the Aurora Store if you use a de-googled phone uh, that'll allow you to easily listen live to us anywhere anytime available right now to download it'll keep you up to speed with TNT Delivering the facts. Source I can trust. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. On Tuesday, Canada's federal court ruled that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act in response to the 2022 Freedom Convoy protest was both unreasonable and unconstitutional. Here with the story, joining me now, TNT News producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. I'm going to 
chalk this up as good news. Uh, Justice Richard Mosley in a January 23rd, that's today, decision said, quote, I have concluded that the decision to issue the proclamation does not bear the hallmarks of reasonableness, justification, transparency, and intelligibility, and was not justified in relation to the relevant factual and legal constraints that were required to be taken into consideration, end quote. Did you hear that, Trudeau? Uh, the judge said while he had initially believed that the Emergencies Act invocation was justified in response to an, quote, unacceptable breakdown of public order, end quote, arguments by the Canadian Constitution Foundation and Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms led him to see otherwise. Hear, hear. Uh, the two civil liberties organizations had argued in court that the liberal government did not meet the legal threshold to invoke the legislation in response to the truckers' protest. They supported lawsuits filed by five plaintiffs who participated in the protest, two of whom had their bank accounts frozen as a result of the Emergencies Act. The Freedom Convoy protest, in case you missed it, was started in response to a mandate requiring COVID-19 vaccination for truck drivers crossing the Canada-U.S. border and resulted in encampments of trucks in the nation's capital honking their horns. The protest evolved into a larger movement against pandemic, pandemic mandates and restrictions, with similar protests being held at several Canada-U.S. border crossings. In response to the protests, the federal government ultimately invoked the Emergencies Act on February 14th, which gave law enforcement expanded powers that probably caught some people by surprise. Uh, this included arresting demonstrators, freezing the bank accounts of some protesters, and requiring towing companies to remove protesters' vehicles from Ottawa's downtown core. This latter power was not used, according to evidence presented during the Public Order Emergency Commission. In his decision, Justice Mosley wrote that the Emergencies Act was meant to be a tool of last resort and Ottawa could not invoke it because, quote, it is convenient or because it may work better than other tools at their disposal or available to the provinces, uh, end quote. While the judge agreed with Ottawa's claim that the situation was, quote, unquote, critical and required an urgent resolution by governments, did it? Did it really? He did not agree with the conclusion that other laws in Canada could not have dealt with the protests, pointing out that the provincial governments of Quebec and Ontario, on, eh, speaking like it's Mexican, Ontario had been able to deal with the protests on their own. He wrote, quote, for these reasons, I conclude that there was no national emergency justifying the invocation of the Emergencies Act, and the decision to do so was therefore unreasonable and ultra virus uh, beyond lawful authority, end quote. Justice Mosley wrote that the invocation of the Emergencies Act infringed on Charter Sections 2B, which deals with freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, and Section 8, which deals with the right to be secured 
from unreasonable seizure. In relation to Section 8, the judge said Ottawa's decision to freeze the bank accounts of some protesters was, quote, not minimally impairing, end quote, as the regulations applied everywhere in Canada, including in areas where protests were not happening and because there were, quote, less impairing alternatives available, end quote, to Ottawa. So, uh, Harvori, I guess the ultimate question remains, what happens to dictator Trudeau in the face of this ruling? Probably nothing, right? What do you think? Probably nothing, but they should send him to one of the quarantine camps out there in, in Canada. You know, I had a great conversation yesterday with Tim Owen up in Canada. He ran for libertarian candidate uh, for president in, in uh, up in Canada. And, you know, he said Canadians are waking up. But he begs the question, you know, how much can they change? How much can we change? Can they keep this sustained resistance up? And that's the question I've been asking for the last like decades, right? When it comes to, collectively to all of us in our respective countries, which are being taken over by this globalist octopus. Um, and, you know, I, I remember it in, in real time, you know, when, when Canada, when Trudeau came out, um, launched this insanity, you know, it was, it was really out of this world. You know, I, people were just protesting, which for me is normal, like in a democratic country, like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a normal thing. It's, it's, not, it's nowhere near crossing any Rubicon. Uh, and then, you know, when Ottawa called DEFCON five, it's like the Russians, you know, the, you do that when the Russians are invading or, or you know, something to that. And when Kim Jong-un is firing hypersonic nukes, not when Canadians are just holding up signs and so it's just uh it's it's insane and you know like like you mentioned the judge said that okay the situation was critical but there were other ways of dealing with the protests and i like this statement where uh, they said quote the trudeau government's use of this extraordinary law may be the most severe example of overreach and violations of civil liberties that was seen during the pandemic and my my worry is ruckus is that um as you mentioned if there are no hard consequences then the regime after trudeau might pull the same trigger your your further thoughts yeah, clearly there's there's a something's broken here with this concept of uh, constitutionally protected rights. They don't seem to mean much of anything when it matters. But like in in hindsight, we can say, oh, yeah, it looks like uh, the experts agree that what you did was unconstitutional. My bad. Sorry about that. Moving on. What, what? There's there needs to be repercussions. These people need to be locked up. They knowingly violated the highest law of their land. You know what I mean? That's 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 not OK. This is not OK. Uh, and then, you know, this, this is crazy, but um, no surprise, I guess. But there was a press conference after the ruling where uh, everybody's favorite deputy prime minister, Christia Freeland, said that the liberal government will be appealing the decision. We're like, we don't care what the Constitution says. Literally, she, she says, quote, we respect very much Canada's independent judiciary. However, we do not agree with this decision and respectfully, we will be appealing, end quote. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. She's taking the stance that Canada was facing, you know, some sort of emergency crisis and that her government took the right approach. But you have... The, the, the judges who understand the, the laws of your country telling you no, and you're going to double down. These people are sick and twisted and tyrants, and they need to go away, Harbori, sooner than later. 
no people like Freeland's are totally insane you know we've talked about her ad nauseum I just I, I get nauseous just mentioning her uh her name and I thought this was a funny quote the top quote here on on zero hedge which said the damage is done what are they going to do about it make the dictator apologize right before he carries out more human rights abuse atrocities someone else says hopefully this leads to huge lawsuits many lives and businesses were destroyed you know I still recall the the interview I had with the Canadian without papers pizza guy I mean that guy's life was destroyed in Canada his his entire business uh I think his marriage you know his 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 family from the government just coming in and and running over him uh he's getting slowly up on his feet but I should probably get him back on anyways thanks ruckus we got Terry Wolf coming up we welcome phone calls uh, questions and comments in the chat or through my email we'll be right back TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois. And this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right mind goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's okay, because I've got other priorities in a, in a town <laughs> down the road. Jeremy now on today's News Talk TNT. I'm just going to do a I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me and I was trying to figure it out and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, the dangers of gender-affirming care. 
For more information, go to PragerU.com. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's Terry Wolf Tuesday. Wolfpox.com is the website. Check out his Substack, um, winterchristian.substack.com. He's got a bunch of books uh, that you can get. Um, I've got them all, I think. How are you doing, Terry? Well, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me back on. Uh, we have some news in Canada. Um, I guess we could start there or jump right in. Uh, we have just from today, actually, uh, headline Trudeau's Orwellian attack on Canadian truckers declared unconstitutional. That uh, Orwellian aspect is something I want to I want to get back to later. I'm going to be talking about George Orwell's, uh, the extent to which we're in the Orwellian world situation right now. But uh, yeah, it's uh, the federal court ruled that Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's use of the Emergencies Act in 2022 to punish protesting truckers was both unreasonable and unconstitutional. There's a quote here, I have concluded that the decision to this is the judge speaking. I have concluded that the decision to issue the proclamation does not bear the hallmarks of reasonableness. I like the I like the way they say this. Justification, transparency, and intellig intelligibility. I mean, it's a very legal way of saying it was stupid, uh, deceptive, and and wrong. And um, so, of course, you know, this is this is a victory. Um, it means that the Trudeau government is guilty of having violated the rights of these people. But um, I want to just point out that it was really Christia Freeland who did this. Uh, she spearheaded that, and she was the deputy prime minister and the um, finance minister. And she basically, you could see her in the press conferences taking control of the whole situation. And she's the one who has now come out and said that she's going to try to appeal it and overturn it because... Basically, it was her idea. So uh, people do take this as a, as a victory over Trudeau, but I see Christia Freeland as being the more direct, um, directly guilty in this whole scenario. And what might be the reaction? Because since you're up there in, in Canada, I, you know, I'm guessing, you know, one category of Canadians don't even, probably I'm not even aware of this news. It doesn't register for them, they're busy with the uh, trivialities of, of of life, whereas others, like you just mentioned, might you know raise their fist, small victory. Um, but um, again, it, I would, it might. Just I think the the reaction is going to be, you know, everything that happens basically uh, anywhere in the news um, because of social media. All it does is pour fuel on existing fires. So nobody really changes their mind no matter what happens but the this is going to be you know ammunition for the side that says we should have stronger constitutional rights and this and trudeau is bad and um you know obviously the lockdowns were bad that's a huge aspect here that we're still everyone around the world is still dealing with the implications of what happened with the lockdowns so the fact that the, the Canadian truckers are sort of vindicated here means that uh, 
the, the, the those who are fighting for liberty and sort of common sense are going to be championing this while the others are going to say, you know, exactly what Christia Freeland said in her response, which is that the situation was so crazy and they did what they think was right. And, you know, you can't just have people going around, you know, causing chaos and, and activism and defying this top-down sort of world government uh, re response to a, a global emergency and stuff like that. So it's just going to deepen that divide. But whenever it's a legal victory, uh, it's interesting because that means further lawsuits can actually happen and and real changes can be forced onto governments. And so um, hopefully that's the real, you know, meaningful response. If they fail to appeal it, um, people will actually be able to do follow-up you know, lawsuits and, and and have some restitution. Speaking of Trudeau, you also found this story uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer and from today, oh, Associated Press. Canada is preparing for a second Trump presidency. Trudeau says Trump represents uncertainty. And this echoes Melanie Jolie, right? Foreign Minister of, of Canada. Some months back, you know, you and I discussed this, that she right, was saying yep. America is going to become authoritarian under Trump. We have to prepare for like authoritarianism for the U.S. And now Trudeau has come out and it's like they're all speaking from the same script. It's really boring, <laughs> Terry, but um, it's it, and it's it's just so exaggerated. What, what do you make of, of, of this? Well, what I find interesting, I'm looking at the article. They're talking about how they had this cabinet meeting to figure out what to do about it, but they really have no response. The, there is nothing they can do. Obviously, the United States is way more powerful and than than Canada. We're just sort of sitting here, you know, waiting to see the results like everyone else. And it sounds like all they're really trying to do is make it so that businesses and lobbyists uh, work with, you know, the the minister ministers of the the Trudeau administration to ask to get ready to ask trump to be nice to them like it's not really a a meaningful response uh, i think a lot more is going to be about creating a culture of fear and division and and attacking conservatives in canada as being like trump and therefore a threat that needs to be censored and so it's going to be more of a it's not a, a policy problem it's a culture problem that uh conservatives are swinging back and and getting a victory obviously in canada pierre polyev is is very popular and is destroying trudeau and so um he's going to become our trump that's how they're going to spin it I, yeah i think they're trying to get ahead of the narrative it's his own narrative um control and it's what my guest said yesterday canadian tim moen that uh, up in canada people are tired of of the taxes the, of of the, the the marxist green redistribution of wealth they get it um and so up in canada the conservatives are are increasing in power same in the us and it's just like you know trudeau melanie jolie christia uh, freeland and crew trying to get ahead of this uh narrative by simply making such comments we're going to jump real quick to our headlines now tnt radio news Chill, now it's done. Let's go. I, I got news for you news for tnt this is james o'neill UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron has stated that the latest precision strikes against Houthi rebel targets in Yemen 
are intended to deliver a definitive message urging the cessation of their attacks of merchant shipping in the Red Sea's international lanes. The Mexican government is raising concerns about the flow of military-grade weapons from U.S. stockpiles into the hands of criminal cartels and is urging the United States to conduct an urgent investigation into the matter. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. We're talking to Terry Wolf, who's up in Canada. I am down here in sunny and warm Mexico, uh, his website, wolfpox.com. Check out his books. Again, he's been seen by millions on, on TikTok and elsewhere. Alex Jones has played his clips during uh, InfoWars. And, uh, and and just to go on a tangent here, Terry, I, I, I come across tweets like this. This is from a Christian musician who I, I, I became a recently became a huge fan of. He's been putting out amazing music, Brian Salve, S-A-U-V-E. And he says, a superpower to cultivate in today's world, the ability to say no to a fight that isn't worthwhile. If you're easily baited into an argument by any passerby, you likely have a self-rule problem. No one to chuckle to yourself and ignore and when to engage. Uh, and so I get this on a daily basis, when I, whether it's folks in my emails or Twitter or Telegram baiting me into arguments that for me, um, yeah, I'm still getting sorry the the the, the contagious disease, infectious disease thing that doesn't exist. I'm like I'm literally experiencing it all the time. I'm just not interested, or you know, they bait you to get into these fights um, on the socials, and most 99.9% of the time, I just completely ignore it and do other stuff with my time. Uh, give any thought on that? Well, yeah, as as somebody who was really enmeshed in the TikTok uh, scene for for a good couple of years there, and you know that was like a just a nonstop gunfight where you know the videos are all short, they're all easy to take out of context. You can clip each other's stuff very easily. Um, getting sniped at constantly by people who uh, want to drag you into their argument and. Uh, then you're discussing problems on their terms. And that's a huge pr thing that I was experiencing there. And, and I think one of the reasons why I was successful there is exactly because I followed this sort of rule. I would uh, pick my fights very carefully and I would engage with people who were arguing with me, but only you know when I had a point I wanted to make and then uh, I could expose something that they were saying that was a fallacy and I would use it to build uh, my own arguments. And I think that's still true on Twitter and Substack and anywhere that people are publishing their stuff. Um, you know, you, there's a rule, it's actually kind of a funny rule. Um, it goes back to professional wrestling where uh, one of the rules there is that it's called heat. You don't give your opponent heat um, if you don't want to work with them because wrestling is fake it's kayfabe it's not it's not real um you actually just ignore people that you don't want to deal with and you essentially promote the guys you want to work with by attacking them so if you want a rivalry and you it's good for your brand to attack somebody um you attack them and then you become you work with each other in that sense and i think that's how a lot of media works and that's how social media works 
And uh, that's also why in a lot of cases, a guy like Alex Jones or or uh, Joe Rogan or some of these guys, Elon Musk will get all this heat, all these headlines generated about them constantly, um, at least at certain key points and periods, um, in order to promote them, because the media understands that. Whereas somebody like you or me, you know, or or somebody else that they don't want to hear from, they just ignore them. And and you can apply that in your own life. All right. Good, good uh, advice. And getting back then to the green world order, I found this story um, on the telegrams. There's this channel, Enjoy the Decline, which is amusing. Uh, and uh, there's they, they put this um, article from the Telegraph just a couple of days ago. It says carbon footprint of homegrown food five times greater than those grown conventionally, right? Through, through big agra, big agra good, big pharma good. Uh, you growing potatoes in your backyard, bad. And I love the comment from Enjoy the Decline who says, New World Order patrol drones will now terminate your home garden for the benefit of the planet. Uh, and it says, you know, the, the study found individual garden infrastructure responsible for increased levels of CO2. This meshes with what they said at Davos last week, Terry, that um, farming is ecocide, right? Never right, mind yeah. dem de ecocide bad, democide good. You know, uh, don't harm the animals or the grass, but kill as many people as you can, take away their food. And farming, uh, absolute insanity. And then you also found this article: community community gardens have six times the carbon footprint of agriculture. Fruits and vegetables grown in urban gardens have a surprisingly large carbon footprint, according to new uh, research, probably financed by big agra. But yeah, I know, wanted to just point out in that yeah, article, if I could quickly, the headline or one of the headings of the paragraphs is literally just called "Urban Sins." So. Even in this this supposed you know technology uh, networks.com website, it's all about science. They use the term sins to refer to carbon and community gardening. So right there you have again the language being used. It's actually religious terminology used for community gardening. How does that make sense? It's it's just total total. <laughs> insanity and i was just gonna say i can't believe like every day reading these stories terry the, the fact that the elites pushing these you know the, the people writing these articles uh the people doing these studies like i i, I can't believe there's people like this there's like people that, that really um they don't want you to this. grow your own food i mean they're, they're, we can see exactly why if you understand just like how they don't want you to travel they don't want you to have everything carbon related is yeah, it's being locked down. We that's that's the what I call the green world order using carbon as the the central tool to control people and and limit their freedom. And so and I would tie that in with this um Guardian article you found about far right figures trying to create a Christian nationalist haven in Kentucky and they're trying to expose them here. Uh, that says uh you know, it's it's a whole piece on basically trying to generate fear around the idea of conservatives going off and having their own society um and it's it's framing them obviously as extremists and racists and saying um a uh, quote from the the leader of this movement here assuming it's a real movement um real estate developer and um and somebody who's Joshua Abatoy might be interested to talk to that guy says um 
most of the leadership is going to be led by Protestant Christians, and you know that's very terrifying to the to the media. And then uh, co-founder and chief strategy officer of the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. Wow, the Global Project Against Hate and Extremism. What an important sounding person that is. Said that the developments raised concerns about who would be who would move there. You know, they might exclude somebody. You're not allowed to move somewhere and start your own community. Like, I guess the Amish, you know, aren't allowed to exist either or something. But uh, this is this is hateful to have your own place in the middle of nowhere where you can have a family. Yeah, I, I didn't think of it that way, but that's a great, you know, it's just going along this trend. Hey, you want to go live in a rural area? Uh, you're a white supremacist, extremist, not terrorist. Hey, you want to grow, you know, some fruit in your backyard, like humanity, like pretty much all of humanity has done throughout all of history. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's ecocide, right? And I was just recalling my grandfather out in Croatia, you know, who I knew very well. Uh, I went as a kid all the time and, you know, he had turkeys, goats, I think, um, lamb, the donkey, I recall. Uh, he, I'd go without, I'd go with him into the field out there in Dalmatia, uh, uh, and, and, um, help him with the watermelons. Like, how is that? Like what that was, that was a low carbon footprint. I mean, he still used the outhouse, you know, totally low carbon footprint. But again, this is all narrative. It's narrative control. And you know, I, I just came back, uh, what is the, you know, two days ago from the greater reset in Morelia and a, a bunch of people there. We're into these solutions, growing your own stuff, your own food, uh, your own medicine, and everyone's like thriving. We even had local Mexican um, producers, you know, setting up a table there with the local um, farmer's market, you know, strawberries and all kinds of stuff. Uh, so um, anyways, it's just crazy. And then, you know, there's this other story that's come out, some good news, you know, get your reaction because you comment a lot on the green world order. Uh, electric cars will never dominate the market, says Toyota. It'll, uh, EVs will never, will only ever capture 30% of the global market. So this seems to be good news, but that yet again, then again, countries like uh, your country, Canada, um, Ireland, I think Japan and others have said, oh, we're not going to sell gas powered cars um, in 10 years. And so it's like, okay, well, if not everyone's going to have EVs and then no gas powered cars, then what? Do we go back to donkeys or, or what? Yeah. He, this also says that uh, traditional fuel burning cars, as well as hybrids and hydrogen fuel vehicles would make up the rest of the market. So I suppose there's still room for hydrogen fuel and hybrids in his opinion. Canada has a very interesting um, motor company right now called Edison, uh, obviously a play on on Tesla. Uh, it's a hybrid diesel electric uh, trucking company that they make and retrofit um, large trucks for hauling lumber and stuff, which is a big deal in Canada. You know, we have all these resources up here and, and uh, in, in BC and stuff, there's a lot of uh, mountainous trucking with logging and stuff like that. And they're having a huge success with hybrid with they, with diesel and electric combined. I have no problem with that because it still works in all conditions in, in extreme cold temperatures. The diesel actually works as a generator to create the electricity as you're driving. It's not there to fuel the, the vehicle as in the transmission. It's actually just there to generate the electricity and then the electric is what drives the the actual powertrain and and the driving 
And I've followed that account and they've had success and I, and I think it's great. So I have no problem with hybrid and, and some of these different models. I would love hydrogen, especially the water powered fuel cells that actually use electrolysis to create hydrogen on demand, although that's pretty much suppressed as a national security secret or something like that. That's probably never going to come out. But yeah, it is interesting that they're going to ban regular gas powered cars. And here, this guy saying it's not even going to be, you know, one third of the market. Um, and that's Toyota. So they should have the data. And our government's just all they do is every day, let's ban this, let's ban that. I wanted to get your thoughts on what's happening in my other home uh, of the Fourth Reich, the new European Soviet, Euroslavia, the European <laughs> Union, uh, who want to ban speech. Uh, and so, but first, we're going to go to our break uh, wolfpox.com, winterchristian.substack.com. Terry's websites, you'll find his other channels there, his books. Feel free to call in and shoot the breeze with us. We'll be right back. I'm Naheem Hines, professional football player and proud supporter of the Muscular Dystrophy Association. My mom was diagnosed with muscular dystrophy when I was 14, and I watched her struggle. But MDA helped her get the best treatments and care, and they also helped kids like my buddy Ethan. My name is Ethan, and I'm 12 years old. Thanks to the Muscular Dystrophy Association and people like you, I have more hope than ever before. From day one, they've treated me like family at my local care center. MDA is the only one that funds over 150 care centers across the U.S. to help provide state-of-the-art care for adults and kids like me. For over 70 years, MDA has been transforming the lives of people living with muscular dystrophy, ALS, and other related neuromuscular diseases. They fund the research for breakthrough treatments, care, and cures. And MDA provides support to thousands of families like mine and Ethan's in communities like yours. Thanks to MDA, kids and adults can live life to its fullest. Join us and learn more at MDA.org today. <laughs> My baby's back from the West Coast. <laughs> Hear those pictures that you asked for for your school project? First day of school, cute as a button. <laughs> so long ago. Oh, here's Grandma Florence after that flood wiped out the whole neighborhood. Sometimes I just cannot believe all the storms we've gone through here. I can only hope that we'll be able to leave this house to you one day, baby. You're our legacy. Planning for these disasters will make sure we're safe. And it's the best way to protect that legacy. Ah, those <laughs> beans smell heavenly. Mm -hmm. Give mom a little credit. You know what? We should make an emergency communication plan. That way we're ready this year. Oh, great idea. At my dorm, we have emergency kits for earthquakes and wildfires, but I'm sure there's something more local I can send you with the link. Okay. Smart. I'm coming to share with you guys. Protect your legacy. Plan for natural disasters today. Visit ready.gov forward slash plan. Pervoy Morich on today's News Talk Radio TNT. Our final segment with Terry Wolf of wolfpox.com. And, you know, what's happening in the EU? Uh, I mentioned briefly that the EU, again, wants to censor speech. Um, they are voting on a resolution to list hate speech as a crime and the european conservative comments and um i think uh they are people who uh, make sense the european conservative so they're criticizing they say that this document lays down two goals including hate speech among the eu crimes specified in article 831 tfeu which lists 
particularly serious crimes with cross-border dimensions, such as terrorism, human trafficking, arms trafficking. So basically, hate speech is going to be just is, is going to be terrorism. Uh, and they say the second goal underscored in the resolution is to extend the definition of hate speech and hate crimes to cover several additional victim categories. Currently, EU laws define them as hatred only toward a specific race, skin color, religion, nationality. Therefore, the document calls for extending the definition to sex, sexual orientation, gender, blah, blah, blah. Um, and it says absent an objective definition, it's easy to imagine the last one functioning as a blank check to cover whatever anyone might be offended by uh, and it, it's just like as the days go by terrius i'm i feel like i don't ever want to return to croatia because it's part of the eu or if i do it'll be somewhere like in the hinterlands in croatia or on some island where nobody is uh and brussels can just you know leave me alone your, your further thoughts on this yeah um i want to i want to use this as a as an example here and and jump off from this because they're talking about the what they call the fundamental rights of people. And obviously we're talking about the European Union, it's closely connected with the United Nations. And for me, this all echoes very strongly um, H.G. Wells, who kind of pioneered the whole you know, vision of what world government should be. And a lot of it had to do with these idea of rights that if we had a world government, we could have true rights for everyone, and then we could punish those who violate those rights. And you can see how twisted and inverted that becomes here, where you can become censored if the world government decides that your speech, you know, they're, they're protecting speech by censoring speech. You know, it's it's complete inversion. It's it's Orwellian. Um, I found actually H.G. Wells wrote a a pamphlet called The Rights of Man, and he distributed this um, in the hopes of convincing a bunch of people that this was this is what the future had to be. I will quote from it right here. There's it's on page 102 of The Rights of Man. It says, "Plainly, I am an extreme revolutionary." Although I dislike rhetoric and emotion intensely, my reason nevertheless compels me to be extreme. I do not believe it is possible to go on with the present way of living that prevails throughout the world with the sovereign governments we have and the economic practices that prevail, meaning capitalism, free markets. These sovereign governments have given us nothing but inconclusive wars on larger and larger scale, and we have to get rid of them all. That's what he says. All of them. It is not the present German government we are fighting. He's talking during World War II. Um, we are fighting uh, to get rid of. It is any government of that sort, including and most emphatically our own. He's talking about the British government, the Western governments. We have to get rid of and replace all these governments by a world system and that alone is world revolution. So this is from his book on the rights of man, talking about, uh, and he even says that he, you know, this is a follow-up to his book, The New World Order. You know, this is, that was his book. People think of H.G. Wells as a science fiction author. No, he was a, a technocrat. He wanted to have world government by a world scientific dictatorship 
And what people don't realize, and I only found this out very recently, is that George Orwell hated H.G. Wells. George Orwell, people think he was just reacting to communism and socialism, uh, but he actually had a very strong uh, opposition to H.G. Wells and his vision of this world government. 1984 is probably more of a commentary on H.G. Wells and this world government, world federation, as he called it, um, than the new, it's basically a commentary on the new world order as described not by communism, but by H.G. Wells. And there's actually an article that George Orwell wrote called Wells, Hitler, and the World State. You can look that up. It's, he says, you know, he's, this is in the middle of World War II. Orwell says he's, that Wells is going on with what he calls the usual rigmarole about a world state. He says, um, you know, H.G. Wells is now especially concerned with federal world control of air power. It is the same gospel as he has been preaching almost without interruption for the past 40 years, almost always with an air of angry surprise at the human beings who can fail to grasp anything so obvious. So, you know, H.G. Wells has this whole essay on how H.G. Wells is, is missing the point of what's going on in the world. And he says, uh, this is, this is actually really sums it up. He says, thinking people who were born about the beginning of this century, the 1900s are in some sense, Wells own creation. So, George Orwell thought that H.G. Wells was the leading figure, thought leader of the 20th century, and he was trying to fight against that. And this all comes back to the idea of hate speech and the rights of man and what it means to violate somebody's right to have a peaceful life and not be offended. And you can see how it H, George Orwell also, we talk about the multipolar world all the time. He's the guy who who envisions Oceania, Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia as the three blocks of this multipolar world. And, you know, people don't even know if it's true or not in the story because all they hear about is from the party and stuff. So I think Orwell is more relevant than ever, but people don't realize that it's all in the H.G. Wells New World Order context. Yeah. And, you know, tomorrow I'll be having another Canadian uh, on David Gosselin. Uh, and, you know, we spoke, uh, he speaks a lot about the scientific dictatorship, Huxley, uh, Wells, and uh, I have to get Huxley's The Island, which is which is sort of like the second iteration of Brave New World, uh, which Gosselin says is a more refined vision of what Huxley wants to carry out. And I, I did pull up that uh, essay you just mentioned, I'll be reading that tonight. It's not very long. Wells, Hitler, and the World State. It's people can find it at orwell.ru uh, or uh, online. And um, you know, just to add what the folks over uh, at European Conservative reported, they talking about this EU rule. They say that one e MEP said, "You don't want a political debate. You want an inquisition." I guess to the EU MP uh, MEPs supporting this. Um, and others, uh, it says, were even more frank and to the point, you're the big brother, said Italian um, MEP. You establish thought crimes to limit the freedom of speech and expression and to attack anyone who's against your ideology. Another MEP says such statements are Orwellian. You speak in Brussels and have become part of the standard repertoire. Um, uh, just uh, moving on 
quickly you you mentioned there's this terraform lab labs uh, story where they file for bankruptcy um you know just more crypto bitcoin uh news your your thoughts here yeah um so you know as we talk about alternatives to the the world system a lot of people think crypto is the way out that it's going to be safe and they invest their savings in it their precious little savings and um you know this this is an example terra form labs you know had their uh usd terra usd which was supposed to be a so-called stable coin it was tied directly to the us dollar so it wasn't supposed to be able to sink or or go out of control and yet um it did it it was destroyed and uh um the collapse of these coins that they created they say wiped out 44 billion dollars of wealth so uh, they're being charged with fraud they have the the new headline this is stuff that the lawsuit has been ongoing for months but now they've actually claimed bankruptcy because they won't be able to cover the damages and uh so you know we we saw larry fink you know talking about bitcoin being as good as gold and it's this amazing store of value um i know people personally who are invested in bitcoin they think it's going to keep them safe if everything collapses um you know obviously we had the the ftx scandal um these guys are going out of business billions of dollars lost i really have to wonder um you know what's going on with bitcoin it's apparently going to survive but these different blockchains get compromised hacked shut down by lawsuits um it's it all comes down to regulations and they're not there's the, the whole argument was that they were immune from big government they were immune from big brother this is where they can't touch you because it's crypto it's encrypted it's it's you know people don't it's a magical thinking about what it means to have a a, a blockchain and they're all completely they all have to be registered somewhere they all have to have some sort of uh, back end and wallets and, and exchanges and things like that so it's very vulnerable still people shouldn't be acting as if if the dollar collapses like everyone is talking about this is going to be a safe haven yeah and by the way uh, tomorrow I'm going to be a guest on a podcast called the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast uh, and that's uh Joey I have I've had him on TNT he works with Mark Yevtovich, uh, who also does fantastic work, the Bitcoin Capitalist, I think, newsletter. Um, and yeah, I was at the, at the Greater Reset last week. I was talking to one of the guys who had a stand. Uh, I'm hoping to have him on the broadcast as well. Uh, I think he's from Arizona, where he sells precious metals. And, you know, he was really getting into it. He was saying that the financial system is going to collapse, the dollar is going to collapse, and they're going to bring in the CBDCs and, you know, we're screwed. <laughs> it's like buy, buy gold, silver real uh assets and uh, it's not looking good and you know he's been for a quarter of a century he's been in that that um industry and so we got a little over a minute left we didn't get to touch on all of our um stories which is a good thing I think Terry there was one more um you know more countries are preparing running exercises for um prepping for cyber attacks war all this sort of stuff but we are out of time a minute left um last uh last word here yeah, what I'll say is I think as far as where to put your wealth, if you have it, you know, it makes sense to do farming. It makes sense to something that actually generates some sort of real wealth. The, the greater reset solutions that, that they were trying to put forward makes sense. You know, try to do something that you can actually, it, it's not in a bank somewhere. It's, it's actually 
um, you know, paying dividends in real life and maybe some sort of, you know, I guess that's called prepping and uh, or just regenerative farming or whatever. And that's why they have to condemn that with the green movement. Indeed. All right. We'll catch up with you next week. Hopefully wolfpox.com, winterchristian.substack.com. Uh, your links are always in the description as well. Uh, have a warm evening up there in Canada. I'll be right back.